because I'm good enough, I'm smart enough, and doggone it, people like me. It's Manson Mitchell on the weekend with Gary Manson's Suzanne Mitchell, a double shot of good conversation with great guests to power up your day. Manson Mitchell, you're on the air. Thank you, Eric Kramer. Happy Saturday, everyone. I'm Gary Mans. I'm Suzanne Mitchell. Together, we are Manson Mitchell in your ears for the hour, and we're joined by Nathan Miller, tall guy Nathan, keeping us on an even keel. How are you doing today, Nathan? Hey, good morning, Gary and Suzanne, and I apologize for sounding like a broken record, but... This is going to be the year for the Mariners. This is going to be the year for the Mariners. This is going to be the year for the Mariners. <laughs> Do you have any factual basis for this prognostication? Have they made some stunning trade? Are they repeopling the dugout? What are they doing? Well, we had really good prospects on the offense and defense that were coming in last year that were looking really sharp and look to carry that forward. Plus, we just uh, re-signed James Paxton, a really elite former Mariner back to the Mariners and with him we got when we sent to the Yankees some really good prospects to help out the pitching staff so pitching was really a struggle last year but I think you know this is going to really improve on that and have a pretty good uh, shot at contention a pretty good shot at contention a pretty good shot at contention <laughs> you get a guy who knows his way around the, the console and manipulates yeah. the buttons with right. a certain felicity and you get a tall guy nathan to work with which we're always proud to be doing just about every saturday actually so uh thank every you saturday nathan. for more than a year yes and by the way i would love to see the mariners win the world series i'd love to see the mariners get into the world series there because uh, i still smart from thinking of that 116 win season that did not eventuate in their appearance in the world series oh man thanks to the yankees <laughs> yeah thanks to the yankees and uh yes damn yankees so we'll see what happens with the mariners and we certainly wish them the best as we are creeping toward baseball season this is the season when people are full of high-minded resolve if they haven't dropped their resolutions already they're thinking about how they can make this year the best, the biggest, the most, the greatest. And they haven't given up yet. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Reality has not intervened as yet. And so who else to bring on but the lovely Lauren Archer, who has been on our show how many times? This Suzanne? is number 18 today. 18 times. 18. We've been on 14 years in March, and she, this is her 18th appearance. So she's done more than once a year she has so many good things to say and i doubt that she could even count the number of people she has helped directly as well as influenced in a healthy way countless others when you get to broadcast when you put on programs when you write books as she has done probably be quoting from one or two of them here today you have an influence as and you actually become an influencer in society. And it's always a delightful surprise when someone says, oh, that thing you said when I attended the such and such, that helped me change my life. That made such a difference. I, I think Lauren hears that a lot. Lauren Archer is a mindfulness trainer, heart math coach, and hypnotherapist who champions women and men and bold men who are ready to break through limiting beliefs and embody their best selves. She's the author of Six Word Lessons on Changing Habits, How to Stop Self-Sabotage and Gain Self-Mastery. For over 15 years, Lauren has been leading support groups for mindful eating and exercise motivation, 
and many of her self-hypnosis audio programs are available on YouTube. And we have most, not all, but most of, of her audio programs. She is also has something called the Heart Wisdom Happy Hour, which we will find out more about when we bring her on. But for, uh, and we are prepared for you, Lauren Archer. So welcome to Manson Mitchell for the 18th time. <laughs> good morning. It's so good to be back with you guys. And, you know, I feel honored because you have such an amazing, impressive array of guests covering wonderful topics uh, from uh, things that are out there in the stratosphere to things that are very close in people's hearts. So uh, it's an honor to be here. Thank you. Well, obviously, we wouldn't have you back as often as we do if you weren't saying something that our listeners like to hear about. And we have we have a lot to talk about. Yes, and, we do. and one of the things and, and I should let you start, Gary, but we were talking about your being a hypnotherapist. And just in casual conversation, Gary said to me, you know, is it a, is it so much a matter of hypnotherapy or dehypnotizing yourself? And so that's when we said, well, we got to bring on Lauren Archer and talk to her about that. That's true. Uh, Lauren, I didn't even plan to start with this, but I'm going to. Can you recall a time or two when at the completion of your labors, putting on, and we've attended a few, putting on an event, don't you just get thrills and chills when someone comes up to you and says, I never looked at my situation, my issues that way. And when you said such and such, that really turned my mind around and now I'm encouraged. Yes, absolutely. In fact, um, I, I recently had someone show up at uh, one of my heart wisdom happy hours and uh, and she said, yeah, I saw you about 25 years ago at Evergreen Hospital. <laughs> and I was like, wow, you know, that's that's great when you know that it, it made an impact and it and it rippled out. So um, I don't know that it was actually 25, but it feels like it's been quite a while. Um, yes. And that notion of dehypnotizing is very relevant to the work that I do, because if you think about it, you know, we all come into the world as pure. We come into the world as, as these loving, you know, beautiful beings. And then from birth to age seven, we are literally walking around in a hypno in a hypnotic state, according to Dr. Bruce Lipton, uh, who mm. has done such amazing work. Um, you know, where children are in the theta brainwave state, which is the ideal state for hypnosis, and so they're learning about the world pre-verbally, non-verbally, and they're picking things up energetically with their bodies. They're learning about their parents and their caregivers' emotional states. And what children come into the world with, that's what they perceive as normal, right? So that creates an architectural structure inside their consciousness. And that's how they operate from then on. And so many of us have, uh, well, you know, our parents all do the best they can, right? And But we've been programmed, I mean, the indoctrination with schools, with culture, what we see on TV, all that gets programmed into our minds. And then we get to adulthood and we wonder why, we, why we're stuck in our own way, why we can't change our habits, why we have certain beliefs. And it's really a matter of dehypnotizing, of uncovering what those uh, false beliefs 
have been and how do we come back to that pure state of innocence and clarity and focus on on what we want to be and do now i'm going to bring up something i didn't think i would bring up gary and it was just popping into my head while lauren was talking and that is that gary and i have been catching in reruns a show called two broke girls i don't know if you've ever seen it before but uh one girl uh long blonde hair uh was a billionaires and uh her father was the head of a big scheme and went to jail and she lost every penny so she grew up for her whole life she grew up in the most affluent way possible and she loses at everything and she has nothing. The, the girl, the other broke girl there has come from a really, really terrible uh, poverty stricken background. And, and so she grew up with absolutely nothing and, uh, and had a mother who was a drug addict and uh, no father in the picture. And these two girls come together and exactly what you're talking about is so interesting that each of them views their current situation based on everything that's come before that, based on their past, based on their upbringing and their programming, where the girl who had everything, it feels quite shocked on a constant basis that she now has nothing. And the girl who had nothing, every time she gets something, she's all shocked because she's never had anything. Mm-hmm. And, and to watch the byplay between these two, you can so clearly see that in their present moment, they're just, they keep reliving their past thoughts. Yes. And, and so how do we ever get to that place that that is a little cleaner and a little clearer? And the show ran, I think about six seasons or yes. so. And you do see them change at the end of the six seasons. You do see the the poverty stricken girl accepting a wonderful, wonderful love life with a, a wealthy man. And you see the girl who had everything feeling like she had, a, you know, a really wonderful friend and uh and and their lives actually become much more rounded and much more complete at the end of six seasons and um and so i think that no matter where you started out in life whether you started out with everything and lost it all or whether you started out with nothing and anticipate bad things happening every day there is a place you can come to which is more balanced And I think that's what I get when, you know, I I pick up your book, Six Word Lessons on Changing Habits, is changing your thinking, changing your habits, and getting to that more balanced place. Does that make sense from the work you do as a hypnotherapist? Absolutely. And, you know, that reminds me of the Rich Dad, Poor Dad series as well, that uh, so much of what we believe about ourselves is a result of our early conditioning. And a way to envision that is to imagine that you have a movie projector in your mind and you are projecting into the future. And we're always walking around, most of us anyway, we walk around with these projections 
about what we believe is going to happen. We make calculations and that's just uh, a, a survival skill, right? That's what human beings do. We, um, we couldn't survive if we didn't do that. You have to be able to envision, you know, is there gonna be a bump in the road and do I need to adjust my, my steps in order to do that? So that's a normal part of life. But to get to the place where you can start to see that what you're projecting is not real, that you are projecting things into the future based upon your past. And you can start playing little mind games and catch yourself and be able to say, oh, whoa, that was, that's an illusion. That's not really real. And turn off that movie projector. But what that requires is to open up to possibilities that you haven't yet imagined. And that is, that's that's where mindfulness comes in right to get to that place where you let go of what you thought was the way things had to be to open up to possibilities that are beyond what your uh what your previous experience thought you were capable of does that make sense it makes sense to me and thereby comes a challenge lauren i'm glad you brought this up because uh, I remember reading, and it, it's one of my small uh, case Bibles, small letter B Bibles, when it comes to self-improvement, self-image psychology, and that is Psycho-Cybernetics by the late great Dr. Maxwell Maltz. Mm -hmm. And in Psycho-Cybernetics, uh, psycho what Dr. Maltz was saying, among many other things, was that if you are going to use imagination practice, and let's face it, our imaginations go into overdrive just about every day. You're always imagining something, and a lot of those thoughts are fear-driven. Right. So Dr. Maltz counseled that if you practice in your mind and see yourself in an ideal situation, fully aware that we tend to approximate our successes. Sometimes our expectations are exceeded and that's great when it happens but if you approximate an ideal situation that you clearly envision in the, the movies of your mind you have a much greater chance of doing more than in your waking moments you thought you could achieve yes absolutely and that's part of what i do with my clients with hypnotherapy is help them get to a place where they a release the fear-based thoughts and the mental structures of what they thought they were uh, in the past. Uh, and that could look like any number of things, but it, there's this process of releasing. And then it's an ABC. B would be going into a place of the unknown. So when you release the past, then you are left with a almost a blank slate, right? A place of emptiness, that, that unformed, uh, unmanifest potential. And then C, to start to bring in some of the energetic qualities, the feelings of how you would be in a new situation without necessarily knowing. So, you know, oftentimes we go into mental rehearsal, right? And it's like, you're, you have to know what the outcome is to, to mentally rehearse. And what I try to help my clients do is just go into the feeling of it, the feeling state of feeling successful, feeling at ease, feeling confident, you know, whatever it is for that person, feeling purposeful. And 
as the nervous system begins to experience those feelings, it changes the energetic structure within the body and within the mind, and it opens them up to be able to accept and receive something that they may not have even seen as possible. So I, I know that's very abstract, but does that make sense? Uh, yes, it makes sense. And when you were talking about, you know, re releasing the past and putting yourself in a good state, one of the six word lessons out of 100 that I had chosen, in fact, it was the first one I chose for today, was number 89. Ships come in over calm seas. And you talk about practicing serenity because of what happens to you physiologically when you are in turbulence and you say you know at the end you need to say to these storms release 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 and so that kind of reminded me of of you know one of the things that i wanted to have you talk about what happens to you what and your thinking when you are not calm when you are not practicing serenity what ha yeah. what what goes on in the body yeah well in fact i think right now so many people are experiencing an epidemic of anxiety yes. because yes. there is so much fear being broadcast through our airways and you know gary mentioned this notion of being dehypnotized i think there's a there's very much a mass hypnosis going on right now in the world through um you know and I, i'm not saying it's intentional um i'm not going to get into any kind of uh conspiracy theory here but just when you are sitting watching television and being bombarded with this intense music and these strong emotions about all the danger in the world uh, you are basically in a hypnotic state and that that's feeding your nervous yeah. system and yeah. what happens is the heart goes into a chaotic pattern. So we can measure the heart rate variability and it goes into uh, something called a chaotic pattern, which is kind of an uneven heartbeat. Uh, the immune system shuts down. Uh, instead of the, the blood flowing through your whole body, uh, the blood is shunted away from your digestive system and your immune system and into the extremities so that you go into that fight or flight. The prefrontal cortex of your brain, uh, that's the part of you that, it, that can think logically and linearly, that is shut down as the amygdala, which is that lizard brain, right? The primitive brain gets activated and we go into fear. And so it's like, it's almost like putting the blinders on a horse where you get this narrow focus in fear. Your entire body goes into a fear response and you just don't make the same quality of decisions. And in fact, when you look around at your life, you, it, there could be wonderful opportunities in front of you, but you don't see them because you're so focused on fear and what could go wrong. And so I've had quite a few clients lately uh, reaching out to me, dealing with extreme anxiety lately, because yeah. um, it's just, it's, it's rampant and it's, it's sad, but there is a way out. Yeah. 
And, and the way out is to recognize and release and to, you know, kind of sometimes it's starting with the body, which is why hypnosis can be so helpful. Um, I've had clients just in the past week that, you know, have had difficulty meditating because um, many, many of us think that meditation has something to do with just the thoughts and, um, and people's thoughts are racing right now. They're spinning out and they have a hard time quieting the mind. And so with hypnosis, it's, it's relaxing the body and putting the attention in the body and feeling that sense of release. And when you can start to slow that system down and, and get the nervous system calm, then there's much more opportunity and possibility for, uh, for a different way of showing up, a different way of being. One of the things that you recommend in your um, six word lessons is, I like number 82, take action to reduce daily stress, which is what you were just talking about. It's like, what, what one thing could you do to reduce stress every day? You know, is it going to be a walk? Is it going to be music? Is it going to be... Um, aromatherapy? Is it, are you going to read something? I mean, you give a lot of suggestions for how it is that you can do something every day. And the reason I really liked that everyday thing, uh, Lauren, was I was thinking earlier, I, I developed my own six word lesson, and then I went looking for it to see if you already had it. And you do. And it's, it is, strengthening your will with easy tasks. Mm. And I really liked that because you say, find a light task you can easily perform every day. And I know for myself, I'm, there are times when I consider myself pretty well disciplined. And then other times when I think I have no discipline at all, but I like to set up a game to win it. And I, I decided in January, I was going to walk every day. And I walked 31 days and I marked it on the calendar. But then February rolls around. We've got terrible weather. I've already walked for 31 days and I'm kind of bored and tired of that. So now I've picked a different exercise for February that isn't walking. It doesn't mean I've given up walking, but I'm doing something else where I can do it every day and I can win every day. And so every day that I do it is another check mark where I am winning the game that I'm setting up. And so don't you think that's a, a good idea that when you, when you plan, you know, what you're going to do to de-stress that, that there is somewhat of a plan, not necessarily that you have to do the same thing every day, but that you need to do something every day to de-stress. Does how do, does that make sense to you? It does. Yeah, I usually recommend people have at least five choices of things they can do uh. because, um, you know, when people are changing habits, um, you know, a lot of people come to me for uh, emotional eating or smoking or drinking, and those those are coping habits, right? Those are things that people go to, to try to relieve stress or change their state. And if you say, well, next time I get a craving, I'm going to go for a walk. Um, that's all well and good until, like you said, it's stormy outside or something comes up. And, uh, and then if, if that 
is not an available option, then the brain's going to say, well, what else? So I'm going to go back to my old habit. So to have at least five different choices. And then the other piece that you touched on was, you know, making it easy. So, um, you know, New Year's comes along, uh, people starting new diets right now, people are, are going, okay, bathing suit season is coming up, right? I want to, I want to get in, right. in my uh, bathing suit, my beach body. Um, but it's so common for people to want to take on the world all at once. It's like, okay, I'm going to work out for an hour and I have to make it this intense thing. And they set themselves up to fail. There you go. Yes. So starting with something really small and simple. And a big part of that is really learning to just keep your promises to yourself, setting it up so that your own word means something. Uh, If you say, I'm going to do something and then you don't follow through, you've created a break inside yourself. And this way, if you set it up, so it's so easy. And one of my teachers, um, uh, the, the late, great Stuart Wilde, uh, he, he would say, just, you know, if you take, take a book and move it from one side of the shelf to the other, I mean, that simple to create that sense of inner trust that when you say something, it means something and your word becomes law. Well, I, I really like that. And that that's when I, why I like you saying do something simple, but do it every day because you were a bodybuilder and you know that you can't do that on a single weekend of your life, you know, <laughs> right. that it's little by little every day. In fact, Gary, you used to say that a lot, you know, little by little. Oh, yes. Uh, in fact, I've heard it coming from your sweet lips many times as well. <laughs> and uh, but I, I refer to a lot of dead people here for my best quotes. I guess I'm just getting old myself. But the late, great Dr. Robert Schuler used to say, inch by inch, anything is a cinch. Mm-hmm. Why yes. put all that pressure? Yard, yard by yard, life is hard. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And and so, yeah, to do things, little things, when you're talking about changing habits, you do want to, um, you know, congratulate yourself. And this is number 85 in your book, congratulate yourself for every positive step. And, And that's that muscle that you build. Because, you know, we hear about weekend warriors that just kill their bodies trying to do everything on one weekend but you know little by little by little you know you will eventually get to the end and the key is to do something that's what i i'm unpacking all of the rich material that lauren has presented just in the past few minutes and the reason why i think it's important for us to stop and concentrate on this is to realize that we're far more in control of our lives than we give ourselves credit for. The idea that I can't control that is many times an illusion, call it a delusion. We delude ourselves into thinking we can't manage the things that we aspire to. And that's a shame because there's so much that out there to sway us one way or the other. In that regard, I wanted to say, uh, Lauren, you brought up a great example, bathing suit season, beach weather coming and so forth. Bikini season, in my view, ranks as one of the great motivators of human behavior. (laughs) Yeah, so true. So true. It's like when, you know, when people have a wedding or an event coming up, it's like, uh oh, you know, I know I better get in shape. And it's funny how the rest of the time we, we tend to let ourselves slide. Yeah. 
and who hasn't stared in the mirror and go, oh my God, oh, I've only got, no. I've only got <laughs> two months before my high school reunion. Yes. Yes. Watching that diminishing timeline go down. Yeah. And you know, it, it brings up motivation, right? There's, there's two kinds of motivation toward and away. So we're motivated toward what we want and away from what we don't want. And so nothing like having an event coming up where you know that people are going to be looking at you to motivate you to change your behavior. Um, but yeah, what, a lot of my work is about creating those lasting habits and how do we get that motivation from inside instead of from outside ourselves. And, and that's why we wanted to talk to you today, Lauren, because we know that people have a lot of high resolve around the first of the year. And of course, we've come out of such a, a strange year with the pandemic, and it's not over with. So people mm -hmm. are trying to figure out their lives and their lifestyles going into 2021, optimistically saying, well, this thing will be over this year and then we'll finally be able to get out and do what we want and I'll get vaccinated and everybody else will get vaccinated. So there is this sense of optimism about 2021 being different from 2020 when we didn't have the vaccine. And so, you know, it's this idea that, um, you know, high resolve first of the year, but then things really begin to fade into February. It's like, oh, well, I really didn't do what I said I was going to do. So in talking with you and in looking at the book, you know, exactly what you're saying, small changes, everyday changes, congratulating yourself on each and every positive step, you're going to slide back. I mean, we all do. We you all you do. think you're going to give up a bad habit and you might for days, weeks, and then you slide back again. Um, you know, there is, there are things that you can do to keep yourself going, to hit the reset reboot button, to, you know, set up a game that you can win so that the changing habits does become more permanent. And, and that's what I like about how you address people. You're not talking about the quick fix and then uh, a week later, it's all dissolved. You're talking about how do you make a change which is lasting? And, and that that is very, very powerful stuff because people don't, you know, they might think they want the quick fix, but ultimately they don't. All they'll talk about is the thousands of diets they've been on and the thousands of pounds they've lost or the hundreds of times they've given up smoking. But if it doesn't last, where are you? Right. Yeah, I, I feel like I'm on a personal mission to help those people that, um, you know, to get over the sense of self-loathing, the sense of failure, the sense of, um, you know, uh, frustration from not being able to make those changes. How many times people wake up in the morning and they say, today's the day, I'm going to do things differently. And then, you know, something... It, in quotes here, something takes over by, by five o'clock and they find themselves going back into those old habits. That 
deteriorates their sense of self and their character and it makes them feel less than and and that's where I feel like I can help and hypnosis and hypnotherapy can help because what we're talking about is, is changing on a very deep level, getting to the heart of what's going on and not looking at the external results so much, but looking at, at, at the change from the deepest level within. I wanted to bring up something. In fact, I'm going to read from one of your two books here that we have right here on our table. They're the same. They're just Are two they different serious? covers. <laughs> yeah, what, one's one's an updated version. If I don't put on my cheaters, I know. Just, <laughs> don't have I'm lost at sea. That's not. unbelievable. I'm <laughs> starting to sound like Regis Feldman of Jelly. What's going on, Gelman? We have two copies of the same book. I so <laughs> here I would like to read, and this is great because it's six word lessons on changing habits. 100 lessons to stop self-sabotage and gain self-mastery. Wow. Make yourself your I, I own like most what, ambitious yes, project. I like what you're stopping and I like what you're gaining. You yes, know? yes. On uh, In chapter 25 here, habits are not broken, they're replaced. You are not mm -hmm. simply stopping one behavior, you are starting another. If you're not smoking, drinking alcohol, overeating, gambling, procrastinating, etc., what are you doing instead? Will you be sitting quietly, hands in your lap, perhaps chewing gum, drinking tea, or attending a class? It's essential to clearly define how you choose to replace your unproductive habit. And that is quickly followed by chapter 26. Choose two or more replacement habits. The brain likes choices. Provide yourself with a minimum of two and ideally a longer list of several replacement behaviors that you can easily select as a substitute for your old behavior. For example, if going for a walk is one choice, have several alternative plans in place in case the weather prohibits your best intentions. Lorna, I love what you wrote there and it reminds me of scripture. Now we're not going to pass a plate I'm not preaching a sermon, so don't worry, folks. But I just thought I would mention this. This is a classic tale, applicable uh, really to all cultures, and later pretty much proven by science theoretically. Jesus healed somebody. That's uh, the story from the New Testament. There was a demon-possessed person who was really acting out. And so Jesus took a hand in things, a healing hand, and he was able to resolve this man's issue and according to the parable, that was fine as far as it went. But the man who was thus healed did not change his behavior pattern or get a better idea, a better self-image about who he was in this life and who and what he could achieve, who he could be. And so the lesson turned out to be, as Jesus told his disciples, there were seven demons, they were cast out, but he did not change. Therefore, that primary demon came back and the seven showed up. Originally, there was one, but that demon, having been cast out, returned to essentially an empty vessel and he brought buddies. So now this poor individual has seven demons going full tilt inside him and really messing up his life because as it turns out, centuries later, science has shown nature abhors a vacuum. You don't just clean out 
you have to build up again with a new concept. So true. Yeah, that notion of, of demons, um, you know, we think about the word spirit. And in my teachings, I use um, the, the four directions a lot as a, as a metaphor. So, you know, north, east, south, west, north being physical body, east being emotion, south being spirit, which would be beliefs and values, and west being uh, intellect or mental or reasoning. And so the spirit, the beliefs, right, the values, um, if, if we are not conscious of our beliefs and we allow negative beliefs to come in that that's another word for demons so you know it, you could some people believe that they're real and if you look at it from a scientific perspective um evidence-based i tend to think that it's it's all about beliefs and they can be changed uh but yes you're right it it, it is helpful to uh to have what you're going to replace it with um, and I'm remembering a class I just taught the other night with uh, so many folks. Uh, so I teach at the Sound Medical Weight Loss and, um, and we talk about emotional eating. And I brought this concept up and uh, one of the gals asked, you know, what do you replace it with? And I said, it's, it's going to depend on, on the individual, but you have to find something that's going to give, it's going to help you change the state. What most people want is a feeling. So whether your, your habit of emotional eating or like I said, smoking or drinking or gambling or whatever it is, what most people want is to get to a state where they feel right relief or satisfaction or uh, comfort. And it's okay to wanna get to that state. It's just that your brain has had limited information of how to get you there. Or you may have had beliefs that uh, that's the only way, right? Like I deserve this. I deserve to have this cookie. I deserve to have this drink. Uh, I need this in order to get to a certain place. Well, that's a false belief. That means you've been hypnotized to believe that that substance or that um, behavior is going to get you to where you want to go. And it's only by changing that belief and replacing it with a new belief that you're going to have a lasting change. And that's where it you know, comes from the core from, from within, instead of uh, just trying to do something externally. If you just try to, if you're just going for the beach body and uh, you get there, but you still don't know how to get to that state of feeling satisfied, uh, that's when you're going to fall off the wagon. So it's, it's helpful to understand what you're really trying to do. It's a really important distinction that you made because we're talking about, you know, changing habits a little at a time, you know, go slow, make sure you're acknowledging yourself for what you're doing, keep it going, do little things, then do bigger things. And then you, you make a great distinction that you might lose a lot of weight and get that beach body, but Will it be lasting if, if, you, if you say, look what I did, this is wonderful. I did this in two or three months, but then what happens when the swim season is over with? Mm -hmm. exactly. and, and that's where people begin to pick on the, the weight um, e even more than they had before they lost it the first time. And, and that's been proven, you know, scientifically in, 
in weight loss, people just end up putting on more weight. Right, right. Yeah, so that motivation has to come from within and, and, and it has to be getting to a state where you feel satisfied or comfortable or whatever that that desired outcome is again if you if you were to ask somebody like a three-year-old right a three-year-old will say why 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 right they'll keep asking and if you ask somebody what they want and why let's say it's a beach body right if you right. ask if you keep asking why why do you want that beach body and you mm -hmm. dive to the to the central question, it's usually to feel a certain way, right? They wanna feel a certain way about themselves. So what I do is help people get to that feeling with or without the end result. And when yes. you get to that feeling mm -hmm. first, it's, it's, it's counterintuitive, but right. that's, that's, well, that's law of attraction, right? That's getting into the state that you wanna have uh, before you get, the outcome and then right. the outcome comes later. Yeah, maybe what you really want is confidence in in your appearance. Right. And it, and it isn't your appearance, it's the confidence part. I would like to feel confident. I'd like to feel like, you know, I look good and feel good about myself. So it's it's like I want to feel good about myself and in order to do that, I'm going to lose weight or give up mm -hmm. smoking or drinking or any bad habit. Mm -hmm. But but I get what you're saying, and I and I think that the distinction that you're making is a really important one, and that is that there we have these core beliefs, and so we can manipulate the circumstances, but are we really changing the core belief? Exactly, and you know all of this stuff that we're talking about is invisible, right? <laughs> and it's gonna be different for each person. And so how do we get there? How do we communicate about this stuff? And um, one of the things that I, I've been using the term lately is closed eye work. Uh, so hypnosis, self-hypnosis, meditation, visualization, manifestation, you know, uh, emotional intelligence, all of that. These are things that happen inside with closed eye work. And yeah. if, if you can imagine that your inner world extends as far deep within you as the universe extends outwardly, that means that inside of you, there's this whole vast depth of potential. And most people don't tap into that. They don't know how to, or they're afraid to, because there's a bunch of shadows in there, right? There's yes. a bunch of- Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, teaching people how to navigate through their internal world is, uh, is a, a passion of mine. Very good. I've been meaning to ask you, I'm looking at a trademark symbol here. I want to mention the title of your book again, Six Word Lessons on Changing Habits, 100 Lessons to Stop Self-Sabotage and Gain Self-Mastery. Lauren, in your writing career, where are you headed with this? Now, you went to the trouble of getting a trademark, Six Word Lessons. I'm hoping that there will be a panoply of such titles from which we may gain wisdom. Well, that's actually my publisher. So it's uh, part of the six word lesson series. Uh, Pacelli Publishing has uh, quite a few of these six word lesson uh, series books. And what, what they, what's great about them is they're short. 
They're little uh, bite-sized chunks of wisdom. We know people are busy these days, so it's a way to just gather something quickly uh, that's lasting. So yeah, Paselli Publishing, you can go to sixwordlessons.com and find all of the other titles that they publish on everything from raising autistic children to flying drones. I mean, they have flying drones. A, yeah, they've got an amazing <laughs> series, yeah. And is this something to which you will provide additional offerings? I mean, you know, I love the idea, six word lessons, and it's nice big print too for us baby boomers it <laughs> who is, forgot it our is. cheaters. Yes, they're, yes. They're, but it's the kind of thing it seems like, it reminds me of the chicken soup series. You could do just about anything with it. Yes, absolutely. Yes, um, well, so I think the next book inside of me is what I'm uh, teaching in my class right now. And I'm doing a, a year long coaching program that people can still get involved with. It, it's a monthly group and it's called Relax Your Way to Success. Secrets from a Hypnotherapist to get to your next level in in life with closed eye work. And so uh, right now I'm doing it as a course. And then as I put the course materials together, that will ultimately become a book. Um, I also wanted to ask you about the Heart Wisdom Happy Hour. What is that? So as a heart math coach, uh, I do a weekly open group so people can reach out to me and if you'd like to come get a taste of it uh, i teach just a little bit about the wisdom of the heart and the heart brain connection and uh the the four dimensions of energy and then i do a brief closed eye exercise for people to have an experience of what it's like to tap into their heart's wisdom and then I open it up for sharing. And it's, it's so meaningful when, you know, especially now during COVID, uh, many of us don't have that social connection. And one thing I've always loved is being part of a, of a community of people who are focused on personal growth and evolution. So I invite people to share for just a couple of minutes uh, what's on their heart. What are you learning about yourself right now? What's important to you? Uh, what, what challenges are you pushing through? What are you um, excited about? And it's just, it's a brief weekly opportunity. I have a lot of the same people come every week and uh, oftentimes new people come. So if this speaks to you, you know, feel free to reach out to me and I would love to, to have people join us. So it's Wednesdays at five o'clock Pacific. Okay. And, and I'm assuming it's virtual. You're not meeting anywhere for correct, this happy hour. Correct. It's virtual. So it's free. It is something that I do because I love it. It's just, it's a passion of mine to really connect groups of people. And so where would people go to get that information? So you can go to my website. I'm at laurenarcher.live. So L-A-U-R-E-N-A-R-C-H-E-R.live. And there's a little happy hour tab at the top. So just click on happy hour and you can register and then you'll get the Zoom link. And, uh, and it's great. I mean, people, I, I, I learn from listening to other people. And it, weaving energies together in the cohesiveness of a group, um, really, I, I think it, it connects us as human beings from a heart level. And it's something that often we're missing in life. So yes, Heart Wisdom Happy Hour, Wednesdays, five o'clock Pacific, and um, laurenarcher.live is where you can find out about that. Good, thank you. you we were talking um, earlier about um, you know, where people are at right now, 
And I, I do think that even as a, a country or a culture or a worldview, that we go through waves, you know, waves of um, discontent, waves of grief over a, an international figure who maybe passes away and waves of joy over something that happens, you know, like we're watching people getting the very first vaccine and, and everybody's clapping and they were clapping when all of the healthcare workers were going to work seven o'clock every night. Mm -hmm. I mean, different things have happened. And I do think that as a, as a human species, that connection, which, you know, we've heard is there is such that we do influence each other with our happiness and our unhappiness. And, and so uh, it, I think it's easy to go, go to a dark place when we've been sheltering in place, we haven't been able to be with other people easily. And one of the things I see coming out of this is, are these virtual get togethers. I, I know our church is meeting online. And mm -hmm. so we tune in you know, on Zoom on Sunday morning in order to attend a service. So I think that more and more people will get connected and thank heavens we have something like the internet. They didn't have that for the pandemic a hundred years ago. And and so at least there, there are ways to connect now that there weren't before. And it sounds like you're making good use of those, Lauren. So true, yes. Well, one of the things that changed my life was learning about the research from the Institute of Heart Math. And uh, the, the fact that the energy in your body, the energy in your heart, which is driven largely by your state of mind and your state of emotions, your beliefs, your values, that projects out, it radiates out into the universe. And so invisibly, each one of us makes a difference, whether we know it or not. And the more love you feel in your heart and the more connected you can feel to others, you're actually making a difference in the global state of consciousness. And so I think that's where we're going as a species is to learn how to do that and, and to create global coherence. Well, thank you for saying that because we talked to, who was the gentleman that, that did the, uh, the uh, worldwide, the random number thing. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Roger Nelson. Roger yes. Nelson. We, and and so. Or was that the guy that had the genie in the bottle? <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of swimsuit season. That's the other genie. <laughs> yeah, the idea that, um, you know, the random number generator looks much less random when people are all experiencing something together coherently. Yes. And the fact that uh, when you are in a good place, you personally are in a good place, then others around you have an opportunity to also get into a good place. Yes, And that expands from there. And I'm really glad that, that you mentioned that because, um, you know, as I said, I think a lot of people struggle. I know I've struggled. I've, I've had my COVID projects. I am, I am reading a 1,600-page book, the complete works of Shakespeare. I'm on 1,100 now out of 1,600. That's I mean, I've, I've, I have set up all these things to keep myself busy and to keep myself going. But we've had friends and relatives come into town and leave town and 
we've only seen them on our telephone. I mean, we're, we're just not interacting with folks because of the pandemic. <laughs> and yeah. so it, this has turned out to be such a strange time. And I do feel like it's affecting me. I'll tell you what strange is. Strange is Suzanne working her way diligently through the collected works of Shakespeare while I'm watching reruns of Two Broke Girls. That's, that's a cultural divide. I don't know that it can be bridged. I love it. Well, yeah, a lot of people who've been showing up to my Heart Wisdom Happy Hour are people who live alone and uh, yeah. don't don't have that sense of connection. and and Or if they do, it's shallow. And these are people that they don't know each other other than showing up in this group, but it's a safe place to be able to talk about um, that, that personal growth, that like what's important to your heart. And if we don't have that, I think it, it can, it can uh, what's the word I want? It can feel shallow. Life can feel empty and blank. So having that little bit of, uh, of that fire, that spark is important. Once again, Lauren, please tell people about how to access this. We're down to about 20 seconds here. Where do they go to sign up? Uh, LaurenArcher.live and then look for the happy hour tab on the menu. And there's all the information you need and it's free. And thank you for coming uh, to the airwaves today and dispensing some great information that people can take with them and use immediately. Number 18 is in the books, Lauren. <laughs> right. Thank you so much for having me, you guys. It's always such a pleasure. Thank you. That's great. We're delighted. And may our next interview be face-to-face -face in the studio. That's my aspiration for 2021. Coming up next, Jupiter Rising. Thanks so much, everyone. Have yourselves a great and safe weekend. Staying connected with Gary Mance and Suzanne Mitchell is easy. Just go to manceandmitchell.com for the latest info on topics and guests. Friend Gary Mance and Suzanne Mitchell on their Facebook pages and like the Mance and Mitchell show page at facebook.com slash Mitchell. If you're on Twitter, share a follow with Gary and Suzanne at Mance Mitchell. Join Gary and Suzanne Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. for an unusual show that covers everything from personal growth to the paranormal. Here's an amazing act. Here's a tremendous act. Here's a startling act. The amazing, the thrilling, the greatest, spectacular, incredible, exciting, wonderful, world-famed, most unusual novelty act. The home of the A-Team of Alternative Talk is ManceAndMitchell.com. Heard right here on Alternative Talk 1150 AM or streaming live from your computer anywhere. Terry Loving wants to help you with your online marketing challenges right now. She has several courses she is giving away to help you get your business working for you online. Yes, giving away. WordPress websites are her specialty, yet her technical skills go way beyond that. Check out her blog at terryloving.com or email her directly at terry at terryloving.com. That's terry at terryloving.com. The Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council present the story of Tom and Levi. Tom is the smartest man I know. He's been a professor at two major universities, been a teacher for over 40 years. One day, he told me that he was having um, problems in his classes. I think one of the students had asked the question and he didn't remember the answer. And I also noticed that he was letting his class out earlier than they were supposed to let out. And he was telling them that he was doing it as a favor to them. But I think in reality, he just wanted to get out of there. Um, I was really starting to worry because I saw something was wrong. 
Levi and I talked about how it would change our lives, but he was there beside me, and my love for him was just immense. When something feels different, it could be Alzheimer's. Now is the time to talk. Visit alz.org slash ourstories to learn more. A message from the Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council. On Friday, Manson Mitchell welcomed Caroline Haldman back to make sense of a welter of issues facing America during these turbulent times. On Saturday, Elizabeth Wilson joins us for a round of metaphysical Q&A. When all of this is over, what do you plan to do with your life? Bringing you mastery and mystery one hour at a time since 2007. We are Manson Mitchell, Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 on Alternative Talk AM 1150.